Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome everyone. We continue to discuss Second Samuel in our morning Bible study. We're happy you're here to join us. Let's pray. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God. And we welcome you to our midst and to flow freely through our devotional and to give us insight and guidance, God, on what we're discussing and how it pertains to us, God. And we ask that you help us see the clear line and help us to understand the lesson that's in your word, God, and directly and accurately apply it to us. Mm-hmm. Um, we just thank you for our listeners, God, and that you are working in their lives as well. In your name, Lord Jesus, amen. Amen. All right, so good morning. And this morning we are continuing in Second Samuel chapter 11. Um, I want to encourage you, if you have not listened to the first part of this, to go back and listen, listen to it because it kind of sets the, the foundation and the tone to what we're going to discuss today and gives us, I'll say, insight into how we got to this place. Or, and by we, I mean how David got to mm-hmm. this place here. All right? So mm-hmm. please, if you haven't listened to it, please listen to that first, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, that's my my recommendation, advice, encouragement, and then you know, then absolutely listen to this, and let's continue to discuss the word. All right, mm-hmm. all right. So for this one, let's begin in verse six and continue to verse thirteen. Can I get a volunteer to read that, please? I'll read it. All right, sir, go ahead. Then David sent to Joab, saying, "Send me Uriah, the Hittite." And Joab sent Uriah to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Job was doing and how the people were doing and how the war prospered. And David said to Uriah, Go down to your house and wash your feet. So Uriah departed from the king's house, and a gift of food with the king followed him. But Uriah slept at the door of the king's house with all the servants of his lord and did not go down to his house. So when they told David, saying, Uriah did not go down to his house, David said to Uriah, did you not come from a journey? Why did you not go down to your house? And Uriah said to David, The ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents, and my lord Joab and the servants of my lord are encamped in open fields. Shall I then go to my house to eat and drink and to lie with my wife? As you live and as your soul is, I will not do this thing. Hmm. Then David said to Uriah, Wait here today also, and tomorrow I will let you depart. So Uriah remained in Jerusalem that day and the next. Now when David called him, he ate and drank before him, and he made him drunk. And at evening he went out to lie on his bed with the servants of his Lord, but he did not go down to to his house. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So, does anyone have any questions or comments? Or, and this is most important, what does the Holy Spirit reveal to you on this portion of Scripture that we just read? I found it interesting that Uriah refused to 
be in his house when he should have been with Israel, where they were supposed to be out in tents. Even when David made him drunk, you know, when you're intoxicated, your rational thinking just goes out the window for most people. But he still had the sense to go, no, this is where I'm supposed to be. Not my house and my bed all cozy and mm -hmm. my blankets, but I should be here with my truth, with my people, defending what the Lord had asked us to do. Mm -hmm. yeah, he did have a, a righteous mindset about it. He said the ark and Israel and Judah are dwelling in tents. Mm -hmm. Everybody's fighting and he's not going to go take a break and party. This should have been a reflection on David to him to go. Mm. Because the same is true for David. The ark and the army and the people are out fighting and he's laying cozy in his bed enjoying someone else's wife. Okay, that was a little bit of shot at David, but I'm just saying. <laughs> no, but we discussed this a little bit last time, right? With how the Lord works. He first comes to us through his Holy Spirit mm -hmm. to minister to us, to convict us of us. sin, right? And to and provide and counsel, yeah. correct, uh, correction, reproof, mm -hmm. all those things. Admonishment, everything you can think of. Mm -hmm. To get us back into alignment with the Lord, with his plan, with his word. <clears throat> in mm -hmm. righteousness and if we don't listen the Lord sends someone else mm -hmm. right yes well isn't that exactly what happened here how the Lord used Uriah someone who had literally just been wronged by the king himself mm -hmm. that David sent for and the Lord still uses him in this moment to, well, not exactly bring a word of rebuke, but through his own actions and behaviors and through the words that Uriah spoke, provides that example of how David should be living right now, should have been living already, mm -hmm. but what to get back to. Mm -hmm. Can everyone see that? Yes. Okay. What else? Kyla, what did you have to say? Um, it was just amusing how David was so insistent that Uriah go and how Uriah wouldn't go back to his house, no matter mm -hmm. how much the king urged him or what good gifts the king gave him. And it's like how you always like to say is sin will find you out. Like sin has a way of finding you out. Mm-hmm. And... Mm-hmm. David thought he was going to be cunning and send Uriah back and go live with your wife and make it seem like it was Uriah's kid when he knew, in fact, mm -hmm. it wasn't. Mm -hmm. So that was just amusing, but not really amusing. Well, well, let's look at it this way. All the actions that you just described that David expected Uriah to do, that's natural or human behavior, mm -hmm. Right. Yes. Anybody that knows anyone that's been in the military, if they get the opportunity to come back home, what are they typically doing? Going to see their wife. All the natural things. They're not focused. I mean, whether it's they come from, you know, for two weeks or however the time period is, it's go home, got to relax. Kick your feet up. Kick my feet up. Not even consider the war and what's going on and all those things. Escape the situation. Exactly. And the environment in every capacity you can. So that's fully what David expected Uriah to do here. But Uriah, 
was focused. He didn't turn to the left or to the right. He kept focused on the task at hand, which was, hey, we're at war. We're besieging the city. And we're going to win the battle. He was going to stay focused and clearly had been for some time. Mm-hmm. Yes. How long does it take for someone, right? This kind of goes to the last lesson. How long does it take for someone to typically discover that they're pregnant? Uh, it depends on how fast you are, quick-witted you are. It, roughly a month. <laughs> a minimum is the month. Okay. A one-month mark. Yes, some minimum. people takes longer. Right, so that, but that's, that's the minimum before you realize, hey. Something's not right. There's a so schedule the, that's been that's, missed. Um, at a minimum a month, he's been gone. So, hey, uh, especially when, well, what, they're besieging a city. There's not really a whole lot to do. Get up, you stand guard, and you go lay down. And then you eat in there, and then repeat the process over. It's Groundhog Day. So, like your mother was saying, it's escapism. I get to go home. I get to leave all this behind. Most t- people just typically forget about the situation, the environment that they just came from. Mm-hmm. They try to live in the moment. Mm-hmm. But Uriah didn't lose sight of the bigger picture of what they were doing and mm-hmm. defending and looking out for the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yes. so yes, it, that in itself is right and righteous. But also... David just comes down multiple times trying to tempt him mm-hmm. to act, I'll say, naturally or with mm-hmm. human perspective, view things through a, a human perspective, human lens, right? Mm-hmm. And Uriah refuses. And even so much as proclaims, hey, the ark and Israel and Judah, right? I mean, like, the Lord's over here doing battle. Mm. I have to stay focused. The Lord is doing battle. Where are you? Significant. In other words, I'm, I'm not going to be concerned about natural things right now in this moment. Right? That's, that's what he's saying. You know, hey, all this stuff is going on. There are camps at open fields. Shall I go to my house and eat and drink and lay with my wife and do all this other stuff? Like, that's human perspective, human things, things that we in, in the flesh and the sin nature are concerned with. But David multiple takes multiple attempts to try to say tempt him, goad him. Set him up. Or right to just do the natural thing. Mm -hmm. And Uriah keeps focus and faith and is faithful and steadfast in what he has signed up to do. Mm -hmm. In fighting the battle. And standing up for defending, ultimately, the kingdom. As a a great example for us. And this is the king himself. Mm -hmm. When you look at David, don't see someone afar off. Nope. He's a human being. That's it. And you can see... From the beginning of time and will continue to the end of time, people are the same. They face the same struggles. They may have a different outfit of the day, new slang words, but it's still the same trouble that's common to man. At the core of it, it's, it's a, the same thing, right? 
Jesus says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is trouble that's common to man, like you just mm-hmm. said. It may sound different. Mm-hmm. We may attempt to make it look different, call it a new thing or whatever. But it's at the core. It's still the same situations, mm-hmm. circumstances, trials, challenges that we face today that they did then. Mm-hmm. Over and over and over. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. That's it. Don't push it off. And, and also... Nothing new under the sun. David is not more special than any of us. Exactly. God loves him, but God loves us equally. If we are joint heirs, since we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Right? Yes. He loves Every, David. He loves Uriah just the same. Absolutely. Does David have a different particular role? Sure. But his role is no less, is no more valuable, or in Uriah's is no less valuable. God doesn't wink at your sin because you have a position. Because he put a destiny track in front of you. Everyone has a destiny track. And each of us has something to protect. Our own garden, right, that the Lord put us in. Adam yes. and Eve's looked a certain way. David's looked a certain way. Ours looks a certain way. And it's unique and individual. And we come together to make the body of Christ, but we all have something to tend and keep. Thank you. I was just about to bring that with the body of Christ. That's what it's there for and designed to do and function. It works together, right? Not everything's the same, right? Paul describes that. Um, every gift. Every gift, every, right? But every individual, that's mm-hmm. exactly office, gifting, role, position, right? The hand can't, or the, the head can't say the foot, I have no need of you. Mm-hmm. We all do. But guess what? The foot could be attacked. A toe in the foot can be attacked. An eye could be it, right? And the body working together is there to defend against it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't just rely on the foot or the toe or the whatever it is itself to fight the battle on its own. The body works together. It sends, uh, and this is in the natural course, white blood cells and all these other things to help fight against the enemy. Well, we have the Lord. We have the whole armor of God, and we have each other. Brothers and sisters in Christ that the Lord will send to build us up, to support us, to encourage us, to also hold us accountable in things that, well, we're not doing right. Mm-hmm. And then we need to turn from. So that way, we aren't the one that the devil is able to use to then, well, attack the body of Christ. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Okay. You see that same thing played out here. Who is Uriah? That he should... Be able to speak, admonish, even on one hand rebuke the king. And I don't think that he and was it, doing it consciously or right. it doesn't sound like he was doing it like intentionally. But he was just going, this is just the truth. And he's speaking the truth of this is what we should be doing and the right. Lord ministering through him. But it's not so much the who is in the position. Mm-hmm. When I say who is Uriah, he's a child of the most high God. Mm-hmm. He's a servant of the Lord as we all are, that should be able to be sent by the Lord to do whatever he is directing us or commanding us to do. And sometimes there are things that he has us do that we don't even realize what's happening in the moment. And I'm sure that was the case with Uriah. He's just speaking as the Lord leads him, you know. Out of the what was in his heart, mm-hmm. which was just to serve, be obedient, and follow the Lord fully. Mm-hmm. remaining focused and diligent to be about the Lord's business. 
and fighting the Lord's battles. Yes. Anybody get anything else out of this section? No. No. I find it interesting that it says, uh, yep, he did, of course, you know, I was like, remain in Jerusalem. He got he got drunk, right? And it says he laid on his bed with the servants of his Lord, right? So yes. clearly there was some type of barracks or something, right, that we would, how we would articulate today, that he stayed in because it says he didn't go down to his house. Yes. So he stayed there, and then in the morning, left with, well, um, other soldiers, other brothers in arms that he was serving with, right, or yes. groups that he was a part of. He still remained focused. Uh, I find that significant. He wouldn't even go to his house. He would just, whatever kept him in the mindset, if you will, of this is who I have to be around, this is what I have to be around, in order to do, and stay, remain focused, that is, on the task the Lord's given him, defending the city, the people, the kingdom, really the people of Israel. Yes. It's a, it's a lesson for all of us. We have to encourage ourselves. We have to be diligent and remain focused on the things the Lord's given us to do. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, let's continue. Can I get a volunteer to read from verses 14 through the end of the chapter? I will. All right, Layla. It says, In the morning it happened that David wrote a letter to Joab and sent it by the hand of Uriah. And he wrote in the letter saying, Set Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle and retreat from him, that he may be struck down and die. So it was while Joab besieged the city that he assigned Uriah to a place where he knew there were valiant men. Then the men of the city came out and fought with Joab, and some of the people of the servants of David fell, and Uriah the Hittite died also. Then Joab sent and told David all the things concerning the war, and charged the messengers, saying, When you have finished telling the matters of the war to the king, if it happens that the king's wrath rises and he says to you, why did you approach so near to the city when you fought? Did you not know that they would shoot from the wall? Who struck Abimelech, the son of Gideon? Was it not a woman who cast a piece of a millstone on him from the wall, so that he died in Thebes? Why did you go near the wall? Then you shall say, Your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. So the messenger went and came and told David all that Joab had sent by him. And the messenger said to David, Surely the men prevailed against us and came out to us in the field. Then we drove them back as far as the entrance of the gate. The archers shot from the wall at your servants, and some of the king's servants are dead. And your servant Uriah the Hittite is dead also. Then David said to the messenger, Thus you shall say to Joab, Do not let this thing displease you, for the sword devours one as well as another. Strengthen your attack against the city and overthrow it. So encourage him. When the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah, her husband, was dead, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his wife and bore him a son. But the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. 
There's a lot in there. There's an awful lot in there. I'm going to start with you guys. What did the Holy Spirit reveal to you? And, and if you have questions or comments, please, by all means, ask them. I find it interesting that Job tried to use the death of Uriah to appease David's anger to cover up for him going so close to the wall. No, I don't think that it was reminding David, this is what you said and what you wanted. Exactly. I've accomplished what you asked me to accomplish. And there was no other way to do it except by, you know, Joab was clearly a, a, a man of war as well, so common sense. He knew what to that. do, yes. And, and clearly, uh, you also see in here, it's not just a um, being about men of war. They are students. They've studied this out. Mm -hmm. I mean, he references Abimelech, the son of Jerubasheth. Right? This is historically what has happened in battles. That's significant. Yes. How people died, how they were defeated, to not make the same mistakes. Mm -hmm. Right? It shows, and we read this later on, anyone that's, that's read about David's life, how it says that he's a tactician. Well, you don't become a tactician by just making it up as you go along. He's a student. He's And you see this, you saw this previously, when he's talking about moving the ark, right? And he, he rebukes the, the Levites and, and the priests and says, you should have known what to do. Mm -hmm. and, and at the bare minimum, you should have consulted the Lord. In other words, he has studied it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Sought the Lord first and foremost. Uh, as to what to do, but then had the Lord reveal him and, and show things to him as to the proper order, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So we see this is David's nature and character throughout. It's mm -hmm. not just to be content and staying, well, I don't know, and that's in, in being okay with that, but to study things out, to be the best so that he can do things in excellence mm -hmm. should be as unto the Lord. Mm -hmm. But ultimately, it's... Uh, even in a human perspective, is to be the very best. Mm -hmm. And they were also, they're speaking code to each other as well. Yes. Communicating in a way that's not like, hey, I killed him. He's dead now. Because then now, everybody, you know what I mean? Everybody else knows. Yes. So he's speaking in code so that David understands. That the messenger didn't pick up what was... Mm -hmm. being said mm -hmm. and now the messenger had something to hold against the king mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so we're not as we're as we're doing this study don't think that we're trying to rail against david and we're picking apart his life and finding out his flaws oh, and everything else anybody that's ever played a team sport or um is a, a prize athlete and things they take film and yes. they, they, they videotape the game, they videotape the race, they videotape, you know, whatever's going on. And wow. then they come back after the race is finished and they analyze it. Where did we make mistakes? What did we do great? What did we do wrong? How can we fix what we did wrong? How can we improve on what we did better? It's important. That's why the word is written down for us so we can look at. And I think um, uh, the Apostle Paul even describes that they're here for our learning it's not so we can go, oh, you, 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 you did such a bad job and you, you know, you stink at life and any of those things. It's not for that. But we no. learn from other people's mistakes. We learn from what they did well. And we, un we understand our Heavenly Father by looking at how did he respond? How did re he react in the situation? What did God say about it? What does his word already tell us? What is the Holy Spirit ministering? And then look at it in comparison to what we've seen others do. It makes no sense to reinvent the wheel every day. 
every time you get up to go to work, you're putting a whole new wheel together, discovering fire, you know, going through that process. Every generation doing that over and over and over again. We build on the wisdom of the people that have come before us. That's the very purpose of our life as believers. So let's take the four of you, for example, right? Yes. So clearly Kyla being the oldest, right? We poured into her first. But have you not all observed, experienced, and benefited from that wisdom? Yes. Did we pass down to you exactly everything that we we passed on to her? We yeah. have. Did it always come through us? No, sometimes it came through Kyla. Mm-hmm. She said, hey, no. She took a lesson or a, something that we poured into her mm-hmm. and reminded you of it. Right? Yes. Okay. So, so ultimately, it's for your good, for your benefit. So you don't have to relearn the lesson mm-hmm. or learn it the hard way and go through the same trials, experience, whatever mm-hmm. that happened in her life as a result of learning and moving and, and maturing and, and all those things, natural things mm-hmm. that happen, spiritual mm-hmm. as well as natural things that happen. Mm-hmm. Well, much in the same way, Israel is our older sibling, our older mm-hmm. brother. Mm-hmm. They went through tons of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have some of those same experiences today, right? Many of them, which we've just been talking about. There's nothing new under the sun, okay? Absolutely. But just like with, with Kyla, there are things that she did well, and there are things that didn't go so well. But you've been there to observe and experience, even if it's just through observation, right? You don't have to go through the same trials and struggles you can say, oh, this didn't go so well. This is why it didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And then you can purpose and apply things differently in your life, other, I'll say, the wisdom that we have passed down, and ultimately just come ask us, right, as your parents, just like we can come ask the Lord, right, mm-hmm. and how to move forward and some, how to proceed so that we don't have to make the same mistakes. Mm-hmm. And like you guys weren't there in our life when we were growing up, all you can hear is a story that we tell you about it and what we learned from it, right? Well, what did or did yes. not go well. Mm-hmm. But you weren't there walking with us. We weren't physically there. David was walking the earth. But right. we have it written down so we can go back and look at it and, and analyze and grow from the experiences he had. I think one of the first lessons and truths that I that God taught me when I became like, oh, I actually wanted to walk after the Lord, a full-fledged, I'm going to serve you, God, no matter what, was that it was a stupid idea that I had. You know, people would try to go, hey, girl, don't do that. Girl, you shouldn't go that way. And I'm like, no, I'm going to figure it out for myself. And I would go and repeat the same bad habit. And I would go, I'm going to do the action that they're doing. I'm just going to do it a different way so I don't get caught. (laughs) Literally, I promise that is, and I don't need to promise, but I'm telling you, that was my mindset. You can't tell me nothing. I'm going to figure it out myself. And then when I came to Christ and the Holy the dawn arose in my heart and the day shone clearly, I said, that's dumb. That's a dumb idea. God, just tell me. I don't need to fall in the ditch on the spikes that are down there in the bottom of that pit and lay there for 10 days to figure out it hurts. God, just tell me about it. I'm good because I don't need to be broken and cause harm to myself and my life and my generations out of pride and stupidity to know that something is detrimental and there's harm to doing it that way. That's why God said, hey, here's a blessing and here's a curse. Choose life that you and your seed may live. There's a point to that. That's a, there's a reason that he tells us things up front. 
so you don't have to go through the hardship. So as we're looking at the, the lives of believers that have walked this earth before us, we're looking to go, okay, that didn't work out for him. God said this is wrong, and he tried it, and it didn't work out, and then they tried it, and it didn't work out, and the millions that have come before me have tried it. Mm, let me do something different. Let me just go the way God said, and then I'm safe. Right, because what what is it? At the core of it is the body of Christ. It's a family. It's a heavenly community. Mm-hmm. Just like we sitting here are a family, right? Okay. Yes. Now, like as we were talking, yes, Kyla is the oldest, and that is a place of honor, much like how it is with Israel. No, we are not Jews, right? But the Lord has grafted, grafted us in adopted to us. and adopted us into the family. And it's... The people of Israel, absolutely. They are given a place of honor as a result. But we are still brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, we should learn. Yes, mostly the good, which comes from the Lord. But let's learn from the mistakes that were made so we don't have to make them ourselves mm-hmm. and go through the same experiences. Right, Kyla pours into you guys as well. Mostly what we've poured into her, right? Yes. And when you apply that, do you not find that your life is blessed and benefited as a result? Yes. Okay. Much in the same way. Let's learn from our brothers and sisters in Christ so that our lives can be blessed and benefited mm-hmm. how the Lord wants that to, to happen. Mm-hmm. I'm going to read Luke chapter 16. <laughs> Verse 19, and then I'll, I'll stop a few verses down. This is, there was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. But there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, full of sores, who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. So it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Then he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted and you are tormented. And besides all this, between us... And you, there is a great gulf fixed, so that you, so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to them, said to him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But but he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, the one rise from the dead. So you can see even here, the man's going, Let somebody speak. Let somebody tell them of how hard it is, what choices to make. Don't make these same mistakes so you don't end up where I am. Right? Yes. And Abraham responded, the written word is enough for you. The law, Moses, is the law and the prophets is good enough. That's enough to testify and speak to you about what you need to do, 
how you need to handle life and approach it so that you don't end up in eternal torment. Now, with that, we're not saying mm-hmm. to disregard the voice of the Lord. Absolutely because not. Because as we pointed out, or we have in the past, what Bible did Adam have? Or did mm-hmm. Abraham have? Mm-hmm. Or did Joseph have? No, mm-hmm. it wasn't until Moses that the law was written down. Mm-hmm. Right? And called the book of the law. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they all had to go off of the voice of the Lord. Mm-hmm. So we shouldn't disregard that. Absolutely so that's not, not what we're saying. No, no. It was just the concept of looking at who has gone before us. Absolutely. And using the word that's already been testified to help us pattern our lives today. That was I just purely wanted, that I just wanted to, point, to draw that out and just make it state it plainly, as it were. So, God has given us every tool to be successful in life. Let's use them all. All of them. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, being led by his Holy Spirit. So let's let him lead us and let's continue in this discussion, right? Yes. yes. All right. So, what else did you guys, did the Holy Spirit, reveal to you in I, this? I was kind of like, well, David, a bit disappointed that he sent by Uriah his own death warrant, as you will, and he felt no more remorse for having killed Uriah. Even when Joab killed Abner, he still honored Abner and Saul. Mm-hmm. But he felt no remorse for Uriah, and Uriah had never done anything to David except for serving faithfully. Mm-hmm. Okay, Absolutely. but where were those seeds planted? Oh, when he was seed, like when he was killing all those people, when he was in Ziklag, mm-hmm. and doing what? Get rid of the evidence. Yes, kill everybody. Earlier than that, we talked last last time about how he met Abigail. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. He was on his way to do the exact same thing that you were just describing, or that he did later when he was. I'll say under, not control, but supporting the Philistines on the run for his life. That's where the seeds were planted. He was going to go down and slaughter all of, well, Abigail's husband and the entire house, maids, everything, because he had been wronged. And then, like I said, when he was there with uh, King Achish, right, of the Philistines, you see him conducting raids on all these different groups and tribes and peoples and mm-hmm. slaughtering everyone mm-hmm. to cover up his sin. So when he couldn't get Uriah to willfully and even unwittingly act in a manner that would cover up, potentially cover up David's sin, mm-hmm. he took matters into his own hands. And that that's pretty crazy I'm, Joab must have been like really shocked like to see how ruthless his king was I mean like since he was already corrected by David for continuing the same actions earlier on in, mm-hmm. in front of the people who said the brothers like Joab and Abishai they're so wicked they're too harsh for him and but using counting on he depended on he used Uri- Uriah's integrity of not opening the letter, how many people would have been like, let me peek at this letter and see what's going on. <laughs> Depending on his integrity to deliver, like you said, his death warrant. That's craziness. It is. And Job was probably like, dang, David is, he's ruthless. What's going on with him? Ruthless, but hypocritical as well. Because mm-hmm. he strung, oh, I'll say strung Joab along, but forced him to mourn for Abner and, or after he took <laughs> vengeance and, and all the rest of it, <laughs> that, that struck a nerve there. No, the Charles. Made you laugh, huh? right, yeah. But he, but he forced him to mourn his death. Mm-hmm. 
put like put your take your hat off your head and put your your fake tears on tear your garment tear it tear it down till i said so and right, put that dirt on your head and joab let's go. and his brother right and now here they are seeing well the hypocrisy hmm. there's good old david that we know that's that's the one i remember yeah mm-hmm. David's role and responsibility, just like all of us, is to keep ourselves without spot, wrinkle, or blemish. Our spirit, soul, and body without spot, wrinkle, or blemish before the Lord. And it doesn't mean that we never fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God. But the Bible tells us not to use the grace and the liberty that we have as a cloak for vices, as a cloak to sin. Well, God's going to forgive me, so I'm about to sin right now. He, he asked us not to do that. Right, Paul talks about the same thing. Let's not say, let's eat, drink, and be merry. Right? For tomorrow we yes. die. All right. And, and tomorrow uh, we'll just ask forgiveness and we have grace. Mm-hmm. and right, not, So not to misuse the grace that's been given us. Mm-hmm. It's not an excuse to willfully go about sinning. No. Because then what what remains? Right? Yes. How are we able to actually receive forgiveness? If we just willfully go about sinning, you've committed to it. You've, you've purposed in your heart to do this. Oh, yeah. That's First Peter. First Peter chapter two, um, verses fifteen. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice, but as bondservants of God. Honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear the king. Fear, I'm sorry, fear God, honor the king. Mm-hmm. So yes, we're free, but not free to sin. I mean, like. That doesn't make any sense for God to say, be holy as I'm holy, but sin it up. You know what I mean? Because you're my favorite, you can do more sin. You can commit sin. Right, that, He's that, a righteous that's God. The verse. He says if, if we go about willfully sinning, what penalty remains that that could cover, right? Our, yes, our there's sin. no longer any. It's no longer any, yes. Mm-hmm. I didn't have it all. Okay. Exactly. Couldn't that's remember okay. it all, so paraphrase it. Okay. Forgive me. That's all right, babe. But Yes. So there's that. But you see those seeds planted way back when, which denotes that it's something that David didn't deal with in his life. Mm-hmm. It wasn't uprooted completely. Because, well, here we are again. This is the third instance of that exact same thing springing mm-hmm. up. Mm-hmm. Third yeah. recorded instance. Sure. And I know sometimes we can think of um, sin and actions, oh, it's not that big a deal. I'll just do this this one little thing, but it won't have, you know, it's just this one thing. I'll get it together after this. I'll repent later. But that's not how we should approach our life. We should strive to do what it is that we're supposed to do. Sometimes it is, it does take more effort to do right. Absolutely. I'm not going to sit here and go, no, it doesn't. Yes, it does. Because the flesh, na- the sin nature in your flesh goes, well, everybody else is doing it like this. Why do, why do I have to pick up the trash when 10 people just walked over it? Why do I have to put the clothes back on the hanger when I'm in the well, store? Let me take a I shortcut. What's the easiest, most convenient thing for me? That, mm-hmm. That's the sin or human nature. That's what they're there for. You know what I mean? Like to start to hold yourself accountable because right now you have the covering of mommy daddy to help you and protect you and watch over you and keep you but as you come out you, 
you're not blameless. Don't start a habit in a lifestyle of sinning now and think suddenly you're going to do right later. And then it's not going to have deep consequences. That's why we spend the time learning the word, renewing our mind, changing our mind about how we think about things. So that way we can walk appropriately and, and accountable to the Lord. Because like, I, like we stated, said earlier, David had something to protect. He had everything to lose. Right? And just, just looking at it because he's the one that we've been kind of tracking for a little bit here. Yes. You have, each of us, the listeners, everyone, we have a, a gift from the Lord. We have a call. We have a life. We have a journey that he's put us on, a destiny track. God wants good things for us, and we should protect them. And when the, the, when the flashing red signs come up, don't jump the fence. When the little, little curtains, the little arms come down that go block the train track, don't jump them and try to ride on. Stop. When the Holy Spirit comes to you and goes, hey, don't go this way. Don't make this decision. Stop. Listen to him. When the Holy Spirit had Uriah ministering and the, the words that he said that probably pricked David's heart like, and he kept, he just stepped on the gas even more to continue down this road. He could see more so get away with my sin than going, hold on, let me yield to the Holy Spirit who had become his companion. Don't be insistent on sin. Y'all know that feeling. I know that feeling when I've done something wrong and I'm like, ooh, ugh. I think everybody knows it. I know I do. How am I going to cover it up? How am I going to get away with it? Don't you all know it? Uh-huh. Okay, so everybody here knows it. Mm-hmm. Should we continue in it? Absolutely not. Bring it before our Heavenly Father. Repent. And come back into alignment. Because it would have been shameful for David to admit, I'm sorry, sir. Your wife, your wife was on the roof. I couldn't help myself. Yep, and David would have been subject to whatever the law requires, but he wouldn't have committed murder. So therefore, don't you commit murder. Yes, I know, Mommy. Uh-huh, okay. Be watchful in your own life. Mm-hmm. Don't be the lady on the roof going dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Hey. <laughs> Don't be the one looking and watching. Entertain, letting your eyes guzzle up all that show that's being put on for you because there's a reason for it. The enemy was just rubbing his hands, waiting. Yeah, David, watch. Bathsheba uh, was on her track to whatever she was going to do, and she had a choice. She could have turned to worship God and serve him and covered herself and all those things. Whatever, and said no. yes. She could have done a myriad of things. But... David is the one, God just said, I'm going to keep a, a man on the throne. He just gave him this whole... The kingdom. Promise. The entirety of the kingdom. I'm going to establish you, et cetera, et cetera. That didn't mean cast off restraint. It meant tend and keep the garden. I have all this coming through your lineage. Tend and keep the garden. Not, you can run, you can go, whew! God said, I'm established. My job now, here is done. Now I'm just going to keep can, my feet up and relax. Exactly. Now I'm going to disregard everything. Now I'm taking my armor off. Now I'm, when he should have had his armor on and been in battle, he's resting and relaxing. So the enemy's like, oh, I got him now. He's watching. He looked. His heart rate went up. He looked some more. 
he stared, he drooled a little bit, and Ew. now, right? And when sin reaches its fullness, right? Each man is drawn away and tempted when he's drawn away by his own lust. Yes. That's the process. So be wise. Mm -hmm. Keep your armor on. Be focused. Kyla, when you're supposed to be studying, be engaged in the studying. Yes. When he says, now it's time to rest, then you rest. That goes for everyone. Yes, mm -hmm. mom. Be where he asked you to be. Doing what he asked you to do. In the spirit of, I'm doing this unto the Lord. I'm sure he didn't feel like going to battle. He probably didn't want to see another field after he came off from living in the wilderness. I understand. I so understand. I don't want to see another dirt <laughs> patch. I don't want to see another cave. All I want to see is nice, lush greenery, fruit trees. Comfort of the palace. Exactly. I don't want to. He probably didn't want a dirt smudge on his clothes. He wanted his beard combed and his hair nice all the time. I'm sure. I mean, I can understand that from a human's perspective. However, our humanity does not supersede the spiritual accountability we have to God. Amen. Mm -hmm. All right. What else? I also kind of found it interesting that it said Bathsheba was mourning for Uriah. Okay. Explain. What did you find interesting about that? Like, to me personally, it didn't seem real. Mm -hmm. It seemed like she was just doing that for the show. Mm -hmm. oh. How can you... Cheat. Well... <laughs> you <watched> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which, which means if you're cheating, that lying typically precedes that, right? Yes. Okay. You can't say you love somebody and cheat on them. Usually there's a conscious decision that takes place long before the action that however you feel or don't feel about that spouse. Because there's no oops, I just did this. Oh, yes. Nobody typically, well, I won't say nobody, but typically people don't want to see someone die, you know, if they don't truly care for them. However, we have to look at the pattern, right? The pattern is clearly lying and cheating. Trickery, deception, mm. whatever way you want to phrase it. Clearly against her husband also. For however time period this has been on, does mm -hmm. she still remain married to this, to Uriah before his death, before she had her affair with the king? It wasn't like an overnight thing. All of a sudden she just woke up and I don't care about you. Like, no, mm -hmm. that's typically not how life works. Seeds are planted, they're watered, they grow. And she may not have liked him to begin with because that's they had highly probable. arranged marriages and whatnot we, at that time. We don't go, know. Dad could give away his daughter as a treaty trinket, you know, seal a deal or whatever he decided at this time frame. We don't know. However, after the time for mourning's over, all of a sudden she's getting married. Hmm. That, that's significant. Now, no, I don't know off the top of my head the exact time or period of mourning, mm -hmm. right? 
culturally throughout history, right? That's different time periods. They mourned, what, 40 days for Moses? Typically there's seven after someone dies or of, of mourning for, a, let's say, a regular person, a relative, right? Yeah. And some cultures, like even, um, I'll say, Western cultures like us, right? Back in the day, in olden times, as you guys like to say, yeah. in olden days, there was a, a time of uh, typically two years after the death before um, the widow remarried. So, no, I don't know what the exact time period is. Right? But it, clearly there was the fact that all of a sudden you go from mourning to married. It's significant. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's written that abbreviated for our our knowledge to teach us, excuse me, to show us. It was already a preconceived notion. It was The idea was already planned. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to work out. Everything else about Uriah's death was planned out to include encouraging Joab after, for, who participated in the act. David telling the messenger, share this with them. And yes, as your mother pointed out, that's code. To encourage him without telling the messenger what exactly was done and that it was planned out. But to encourage Joab to continue. To save face, to keep moving forward in, yes, the, the day-to-day duties that come with his, his role, his position, his responsibilities but to not be burdened by the actions that he just took. Targeting and ultimately murder, making sure that an individual was murdered. And sharing in that guilt. But I also find it interesting that David then took her as a wife. And then what's it say? The The thing that David did displeased the Lord. Which thing? Because literally this whole section of Scripture we talked about today, there were many things in there that go against the Lord, against His very nature and character, against His will, against His commandments and how He's told us to act and behave, remaining pure and blameless before Him. There's a lot in there. Yes. And I don't point it out just to point out flaws. Again, it's so that we can learn from it. Mm-hmm. So we don't make these same mistakes in our lives. But that we can remain without spot, wrinkle, and blemish. Being pure, being perfect as the Lord is perfect, right? Yes. He says, I'm, per- I'm holy, you be holy. Pattern example for our lives is Jesus. We should be striving, and I don't mean striving, but being diligent to be like him, conform to his image in every aspect of our lives, submitted to the Father, just like Jesus was.
Any questions or comments? No. All right, well, let's pause there for today. Who wants to close us out in prayer? I will. All right, Kyla. In your name, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you for today, God, and we thank you for the example that you give us and the guidance and the wisdom that you provide. I ask that you strengthen and encourage us and our listeners, God, and make it easy for us to walk the path that you've given us, God, and find the encouragement we need and stir up the gifts on the inside of us to continue to do all that it is that you called us to do, God. I thank you for our listeners, God, and that you keep them and you protect them, God, and that you're helping grow them and ministering to them. I ask that we can continue to be a blessing to them, God, and help them achieve their potential and what it is that you've called them to, God, as well. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. We love you. Have a wonderful day. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.